but we're going to continue to look at verse 11 because we've been breaking up into sections and we've looked so far at rejoice strive for full restoration and now we're looking at encourage one another uh, so that's the theme for today encourage one another so hopefully we'll be encouraged uh, by by the end of the the message this morning and know what it is how to encourage each other now if you just refer to chapter one of two corinthians and i hope that as we go through these studies over these weeks that we're actually really going to get to grips with two corinthians as a whole so we will be looking backwards and forwards in the letter and it's really good to see links through the, the letters and different books of the bible and how the themes run through and we see the theme of comfort or encouragement is right from the beginning so chapter one of two corinthians verse three says praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of compassion and the god of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from god so it's really wonderful to to see that the theme of comfort is uh, comes back right at the end of the the letter as well and it's good to make a mental note that the the greek word for comfort is the same word the exact same word here in corinthians as for encouragement so comfort and encouragement go together and so we we have this theme now i want you to to remember that um paul and his team are behind this letter that's the first thing i'd like you to to kind of really get to grips with and it's, it's one thing to think of individual writers like the apostle paul or the apostle peter or the apostle john and so on writing letters in the new testament but it's very important and particularly in this case because of our theme to remember that paul is part of a team it's not just paul writing on his own uh, chapter one verse one uh, says in the introduction paul an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god and timothy our brother to the church of god in corinth so it's a it's a team letter there's two authors to this letter and there are others with paul uh, wherever wherever he is at this point in chapter 2 verse 12 and 13 paul recounts how he values his team members it says there now when i went to troas to preach the gospel of christ and found that the lord had opened a door for me i still had no peace of mind because i did not find my brother titus there so obviously titus was another member of paul's team and paul missed uh, titus and so we see how paul valued his team it's not just paul on his own in isolation he's part of a team and, and as churches we're not individuals isolated are we we feel isolated with being on zoom uh, but uh, we are joined together by the holy spirit even as we spend this time now but we're part of a team uh, we're not isolated individual christians and we thank god for that so when we hear sometimes preachers say well the apostle paul wrote this and so on well it's true he did, was the writer or he had someone writing for him in some cases but apart from the fact that the holy spirit is the ultimate author of the whole of the bible and inspired the writing of people like paul we need to remember that paul was always it seems part of a team ministry traveling with others and serving with others in chapter 5 of 2 corinthians verse 20 paul says we are therefore christ's ambassadors he doesn't say i am an ambassador for christ he says we are therefore christ's ambassadors and uh, and then in chapter 6 verse 1 as god's co-workers we uh, we urge you not to receive god's grace in vain so he's writing in the plural to the church and says we urge you and then in chapter 13 verse 13 
all God's people here send their greetings. So we can imagine Paul is, is working with the church uh, wherever he is at this point writing this letter and, and the, there are the people around him and he, he's seeing and visiting and working with and it just brings home the, 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 the fellowship, the collective and the team, uh, this team element. And it reminds us that God has designed, uh, designed things so that we have each other uh, and we do need each other, we really do. We need to work as a church family team now and always into the future. However big uh, Fernwood Community Church grows, we need to remember that we're a family team. And that's also so important, why I'm emphasising it now, because it's, we need to consider this in relation to our topic for today. Be encouraged or be an encouragement. So, so far, we've seen how the instruction is here in the end of 2 Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, that's all of us. Rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another. We can see the team element here, can't we? So the second letter to the Church of Corinth, it uh, starts with a, the subject of comfort and encouragement. And now in this last chapter, the subject returns. Brothers and sisters, encourage one another. Now, I want you to use your imaginations. Imagine we're starting out on a long mountain trek. We're going up from the, the foothills higher and higher until we get to the, to the, the rough mountains uh, and barren mountains. And it's a long way. It's a steep and there are narrow winding tracks. There are boulder strewn slopes, majestic mountain peaks in coming, uh, that we're coming towards. And we're going to be passing through and some of them over. It's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be thrilling. It's going to be sometimes a bit scary. It's going to be up and down, literally. It's going to be tiring. And we're all, us as a whole church, we're on this trek. And we all have different fitness levels, different experience in mountain craft, don't we? The, the, the leader, hopefully there'll be a leader up front who will be having a map and making sure he's got a compass and uh, that we know the right way to go. And we don't want to get lost because it's too dangerous to get lost out here. So we need someone up front with experience and with determination. We need an encourager, don't we, in the mountain walk. Now, church pastors, church elders and leaders of various... Uh, groups uh, that run in the local church need to be encouragers we need to be encouragers because the journey of life does ha have up and downs doesn't it and living as a christian has serious challenges in this world it is good and necessary and, and glorious to keep going it's worth it it really is but we need people who are going to be encouragers encouragers for us as we go on this on this journey now of course we need to remember that god is our ultimate leader and he's our ultimate source of encouragement. That we, and we read that at the beginning, didn't we? About God being the God of all comfort, the God of all encouragement. So I want us to imagine that we're on this mountain trek. And as we march on, from time to time, we see various signs and markers. We see evidence that someone has gone before us. At times, we, we look into the distance, and maybe it's a bit foggy, a bit misty, and we can just catch the glimpse of a figure waving at us, calling us on, encouraging us, keep going, you can do it. We can almost read their lips, but they're too far away to, to see them properly. Uh, and every now and again, we see a pile of stones built to mark the route. We were getting a bit confused, a bit lost. The map wasn't, wasn't quite clear at some point, or we didn't read the map properly. But we see some, a little pile of stones, and that just encourages us that we're on the right direction. And we see this figure from time to time, but then he disappears into the distance. But we follow on. Well, God the Father, the Holy Spirit... And Jesus, the son, are our God of encouragement and comfort. One God, but three persons are the father, 
the Holy Spirit and Jesus the Son are our God of encouragement. And we need to, again, keep in mind that the Greek word for comfort and encouragement in Corinthians is the same. God is about encouraging us and he's about comforting us. And the next thing that we see and need to keep in mind is that there's a cascade of comfort, a cascade of comfort. Now, chapter one, verse three, again, said, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, or as we found out, the God of all encouragement. Now, this comfort, this encouragement flows from God to Paul and, it, and his team, of course. Don't forget his team. And then it flows from Paul and his team to the church. There's a cascade of comfort. And he writes about this in verse four of the first chapter. The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. There's a cascade of comfort. The experience of suffering in this world leads to the experience of being comforted by God. And that's a beautiful silver lining in the dark clouds that we go through in life. The experience, the experience of suffering in this world leads to the experience of being comforted by God. Verse 5 of the same chapter. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, that's part and parcel of the, the ministry that Paul and his team were going through, there were sufferings involved. But he says, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. He knew suffering, but he also knew the comfort of Christ. So there is a mutual suffering that Christians go through, but there's also shared comfort. And this forms a cascade of comfort that we can pass on to others, that we can pass on to those around us. This is why the team is so important, why we recognize that we're part of a, a team family. Now, it's not nice to suffer, is it? It's not nice to suffer. We don't want it and we shouldn't want it. But in this world, that is how it is to one degree or another. But God overrules suffering to show us his comfort, which then produces in us the ability to keep enduring, to keep going forwards, and also the ability to encourage others who are struggling. So there is this cascade of comfort. Now, going back to our mountain trek, there is this marvelous encourager in the distance, the person who is in the distance, and yet he's always with us. It's almost like he's following, following us in a sense, but he's ahead of us. He's always there with us. He's going with us all the way, but he's ahead of us and he, he never leaves us. And this is a picture of God, our ultimate leader and encourager. So God is the ultimate comforter. God is the ultimate encourager. And we need to learn to look beyond each other, even beyond church leaders to him. We need to look beyond even church leaders to him, the God of all comfort. But someone might object and say, well, okay, I'm going through suffering. I'm going through hard times. I can see my brothers and sisters going through hard times. But God, he hasn't suffered. He hasn't experienced what we, we are experiencing. Hold on a minute. Yes, he has. Because what did Jesus do? What did the Son of God do? He came to this world and he suffered in our place. He died for our sins. He was attacked, verbally abused, physically tortured and killed. He died for us. God has suffered. The one who leads us, the one who we look to for all encouragement, he has been through it. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, it says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, 
and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus, our God, the Son of God, did suffer for us to save us from our sins. And of course, if we believe in him, if we repent and believe in him, we will be forgiven and we can know God and we can know God of all comfort in our difficult experiences of life. But as Paul and his team of church planters say, they pass on their experience of comfort that they get from God in their sufferings to the church and to the churches that they work with. And this is a model for the role of leadership in a church. Church leaders have troubles and suffer like everybody else. They have particular emotional struggles to deal with in caring for others and bearing the burdens of others. But a leader's responsibility needs to be looking uh, to be an example themselves of looking to the Lord for encouragement. And then as they look to the Lord for encouragement in their struggles, that cascades down to the congregation. If you're on a difficult trek, if the leader or guide starts to, to give up, then it's hard for everyone, isn't it? If the one who's supposed to be spurring us on and encouraging us, if they're starting to give up, then it's hard for everyone. And instead of encouragement spreading around the, the group on this journey, cynicism and despair takes, takes place. But instead of giving into despair, Paul and his team, who suffered more than most ever have, and you can read about the sufferings that Paul and his team went through, they, even though they experience such difficulties, they see a usefulness in their sufferings. They see a usefulness that can bless others. And this is one thing that we can embrace, all of us, in the things that we go through, the ups and downs and the difficulties that we go through. Going back to chapter 1 and verse 6 of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this, If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you the patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. So we can see, concluding this point, that there's a cascade of comfort and encouragement. It flows down to the church from the leaders, and of course, ultimately, it's, it's from God. And, and through the though the trials were very tough for Paul and, and Timothy and so on, there was a comfort from God which they passed down. And there was a, a team sense of uh, encouragement that the church was, was being comforted, even though it was still tough for them. You can read that, read more of that in the whole, if you read the whole of chapter, uh, the, the whole of the, the epistle, and you can see that coming through very clearly that even though things were still difficult for Paul and his team, they were encouraged themselves that the church was being comforted by the fact that they were keeping going and being an example to the church who were keeping going because they were keeping going and they were blessed because of that. So it's, it's kind of a, it goes in a cycle there, a lovely cycle. And, and Christian fellowship does involve mutual sharing of sufferings and joys, hardships and encouragements. There should be joy that others are comforted, even if we're still struggling. You know, you might be still struggling with something, but we don't resent that other Christians are finding help and comfort. We, we're, we should rejoice in that and be glad that that, that is taking place. So ultimately, the, the great goal is this cascade of comfort takes place, that there should be no suffering alone and there should be no encouragement that doesn't get shared. I'll say that again. There should be no suffering alone in the church family and there should be no encouragement that doesn't get shared. Brothers and sisters, encourage one another. So it's clear to see that Paul and his team see themselves particularly responsible to cast, cascade down the comfort and encouragement. And that's a, a leadership role. But 
Let's focus on the next thing, and that is that, that leaders need encouragement too. Of course, as pastors, as elders of churches, there's those who lead various groups and have particular responsibilities in the life of a church. Leaders need encouragement too. We can see, for example, how the Apostle John revels in seeing fellow Christians following Jesus. It brings him great joy. 3 John and chapter 1 verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. He doesn't say I have no greater joy that things are nice and easy for me. Does he? He doesn't say that. He says I have no greater joy than to, that the, my spiritual children, those who I, I'm, I'm responsible for, are walking in the truth, following the Lord. Uh, and then we can see Paul's heart uh, in Galatians 6 verse 6. He says, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Paul had learned from others and uh, he taught, taught folk and he sees that in the life of a church, that those who teach, those who uh, assist and pastor others should have good things shared uh, with them from those who they have taught. So there's this mutual encouragement going on. But let's also think of those in children's work in the life of a church. Let's think of those who welcome us at the door and we look forward to being welcomed into a building again don't we let's think of those who serve as teas and coffees those involved in catering ministries let's think of those involved in teaching and preaching in pastoral care let's think of the fact that they need our encouragement as well they need that fellowship of encouragement now one of the problems in our country and i suppose many countries around the world it's probably a human problem with politics with society in general is that there's never or very rarely encouragement for leaders people are always looking to pull leaders down whether they want to be a leader in place of them or whether they're just critics and people it seems the media newspapers and so on always delight in the downfall of people and there's very little constructive criticism we do need to hold our leaders to account but there's very little constructive criticism in our society and particularly in politics we see this that that even people who start out with a genuine motivation to, to serve uh, the public in politics, they, they turn into shrewd people, don't they? Looking out for that stab in the back, afraid to openly discuss ideas. Freedom of speech gets warped, and they end up learning to cover up and, uh, and are scared of being honest and straightforward, which leads to lies and a lack of trust and a, a self-fulfilling cycle of cynicism develops as a result. We should never, ever allow this to come into church life. We should never be a body of political intrigue in the life of a church. We should be open and honest and we should be open-hearted with each other and not allow this kind of attitude and the attitude of pulling down anyone who has any responsibility and picking faults. We should never allow that to come into church life. Now, some of you might have heard this little story, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but I can imagine it. A mother went to wake her son for church one Sunday morning. And she knocked on his door and he said, I'm not going. Why not? Asked the mother. I'll give you two good reasons, he said. One, they don't like me. And two, I don't like them. His mother replied, I'll give you two good reasons why you will go to church. One, you're 47 years old. And two, you're the pastor. And uh, that's an old joke, I think. But uh, the serious reality is that, that everyone in a church fellowship needs to be encouraged. It should be a mutual encouragement. Now, some have a particular gift of encouragement, and that might be you. And I want you to be encouraged to use your gift of encouragement. In Romans 12, verse 7, it says about various gifts in the life of a church. If it is serving, then serve. 
If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So one of the gifts that God gives to Christians is the gift of encouragement. So some people have a particular gift, and that might be you. And I do know that some of you in Fernwood Community Church do have a particular gift of encouragement, and we really do thank God for you. It really does make a difference. It really does build people up, and it blesses the atmosphere of fellowship that we have one with another. One with another. What we can see from these instructions at the end of 2 Corinthians, brothers and sisters, encourage one another. So although particular people may have a special gift at it, it's, it's something we all need to be involved in. Now, we need to also encourage those at the back. Encourage those at the back. Let's see what we mean by that. Well, in mountain leadership, another important thing for the leader and the team to do is to look out for people at the back of the line. Now, imagine us all going on the trail. It's a difficult journey, uh, up and downhill, and some of us are going to find it harder than others. We're going to be struggling with our breath as we get higher and higher up into the mountains, uh, and it's going to be hard on our knees, it's going to be hard on our bodies, and also it's going to be hard emotionally to keep going when the going is tough. Now, a good leader will look back every now and again and see who is struggling. Look at the back of the queue and see who's struggling on the route. One good practice is to ask someone to swap to the back, maybe a stronger walker to go to the back and to lead from the rear, as it, as it were, to make sure no one slips behind and, uh, and gets left. And the struggler instead is invited to come up to the front, maybe behind the leader or with the leader. And the leader spends some time chatting and encouraging the one who was struggling. So if you're leading a group in the mountains, that's a good thing for you to remember to do. Now, it says in our passage, brothers and sisters, encourage one another now we can all move up and down the line can't we and go and walk alongside a struggler for a spell we don't have to wait for the leader to say well could you please go to the back and uh, and take the take the point and uh, keep keep an eye on folk from the from the back we don't have to wait for a leader to, to do that we can see someone who's struggling and we can go up to them and uh, or we can go back to them and slow down our pace to be with them and to spend some time with them so it's something that we all need to do. Brothers and sisters, encourage one another. Look out for those at the back. So we all need to function as encouragers. So on our trek over the mountains, not only is the leader looking out for stragglers, not only are we looking to encourage those who lead us at the front, but we're also looking for, out for each other. And where the path is wide enough, we can sidle up to others and chat and inquire how they're getting, getting on. It might be that they're running low on food or water, and we share some of ours and we cheer them up and we chat about where we're aiming for. We're thinking when we get over to the mountains, there's the heavenly land where we're going to settle forever. We're going to be there. We're going to be with the king. We need to keep going. It's a good journey. It's a hard journey, but it's for a good reason. Now, let's think about the church at Corinth. As we've been studying it over these few weeks, one of the problems in the Corinthian church was that there were divisions appearing. Instead of staying together on the route, there were people trying to split up some people arguing, well, we should go this way. We'll, we'll ignore the leader. We'll, we'll choose our own leader. We'll go this way. We'll go that way. People formed fan clubs around certain favorite preachers. There had been people ignoring certain brothers and sisters, maybe because they were in a servant class and, and they weren't as, as wealthy and rich in the same circles as they were. Paul had taught them this is wrong. You shouldn't think this way. And he taught them to correct that way of thinking. But no, no doubt some would be slower than others to learn that. Brothers and sisters, 
Paul says here, encourage one another. The Corinthian church is working on its problems and weaknesses. There's been some progress and that's good. It's been told off. It's been warned about false teachers who've been coming in. Some people have been shaken and confused by the false apostles. There are certain members in the church who let the side down badly, but they've repented. And despite the pain caused to the whole fellowship by their behavior in the past, there now needs to be forgiveness and compassion and encouragement all around. This is a hurting church. This is a church with its problems. To a degree, all churches are, are similar. The churches in Judea are going hungry because of a famine. So Corinth is in a Gentile area. There are churches in Judea that are going hungry because of a famine. And Paul has asked the more wealthy Corinthian Christians to make a collection to send with Paul's colleagues who are on the way to send a gift to Jerusalem. And we can read about that in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians. So there's going to be some deep digging in the pockets and it's going to mean a tightening of the belt. There's going to be difficulties because of that. And then, of course, there, there are the everyday battles with sins and the striving full restoration, as we thought about last week. So this church needs comfort and encouragement. They need to pull together. They need to give and to receive encouragement. They need to avoid a cynical attitude which brings everybody down, a moaning, cynical attitude. They need to have a positive attitude based on faith, which encourages all. Now, we all... We all know why we need encouragement, don't we? We all f find life struggle at various points. The journey is up and down. The ups are steep and the downs can be very slippy. But let's ask a final question. What is encouragement? And how can I best encourage you? How can you best encourage me? Well, encouragement is not just saying nice things. It's not just being optimistic. Because there can be an optimism which isn't based on reality. Encouragement, Christian encouragement is based on faith in God, that God will fulfill his promises, that there is a purpose even to difficult things. We encourage each other by reminding each other of what God has said and promised. That's the ultimate way we can encourage each other. Sometimes we may not say much when we come alongside that struggling brother or sister in Christ. Sometimes it's just walking alongside each other, maybe literally. Or just sitting with someone and being fairly quiet and not saying much. Just being there to be a friend and mostly listen. But whether we are able to say much or not, we need to exude an attitude of holding on to God in difficult times. That God is in control. An attitude that, that God has a plan and that following Jesus faithfully is worth it. And that is true Christian encouragement. It's not just saying nice things. It's not just being, being optimistic. Christian encouragement is not just there, there, it'll be okay. But there, there is the Lord. Let us follow on faithfully. It's not there, there, it'll be okay. But there, there is the Lord. Let's follow on faithfully. Thankfulness is encouraging, isn't it? To go up to a leader after they taught a, done a children's message or as they have preached or as they have led a service, or they played an instrument, or they have welcomed us at the door, or they've served us tea and coffees, just a simple thankful attitude is so encouraging, isn't it? Singing heartily together when we are able to sing, and uh, in, in a, as a congregation, that, that's something we're really looking forward to. Singing heartily together is encouraging because we're reminding each other with emotion, which is good, about the truths of God. So that's a great way to encourage each other as we 
spend time and one of the things i'd love to do uh, when we are able to meet together is just have a, a service of just giving praise to god singing lots of songs old and new and just spending lovely time but we can we can talk about that when we get close to the day but it's so good to sing heartily together and remind ourselves about the truths of god engaging with bible teaching will encourage you in a deep way eternal truths going down deep don't just listen on the surface but think about what's being said and analyze it ask questions of it come back to me or whoever's preaching and say well could you explain that a bit more or or how can i put that into practice and so on engage with the deep truths of god's word being a good example is encouraging isn't it being a good example to one another a simple act of kindness can be so encouraging a card or a letter or a phone call or a text message god has designed it so that suffering is shared and comfort is shared too we need each other and we also need to allow ourselves to receive encouragement and that's something uh, very important if we are if we struggle with depression it's sometimes very hard to receive encouragement we hear it but it doesn't actually seem to do much and we need to be patient with people who have illnesses such as depression there are bruised people who encouragement will seem to just hardly touch the issue and we need to be persistent with that encouragement and think about ways careful ways and helpful ways we can encourage that bruised person sometimes we're a bit proud or maybe struggle with self-pity and that can be a barrier to receiving encouragement it's almost like we start to define ourselves as oh woe is me and uh, we, we can't be encouraged because if we're encouraged then we're going to have to serve others but as long as we can be kind of in self-pity mode then we're just looking for other people to encourage us and we kind of want to we live on our egos being boosted by other people saying nice things to us and that's a danger that we can fall into so beware of self-pity that's not the same as true depression but of course the two two can be linked so sometimes we don't take encouragement and we need to be uh, thoughtful about when people do encourage us to take it on board the best we can and work it into our thinking now, ultimately, of course, as we've said, encouragement and comfort are from God, and we need to cascade that comfort to others. And that's what Paul and his team, Paul and Timothy, in this case, who are writing this letter, they say, brothers and sisters, encourage one another. And the very last thing to remind us of, don't forget those at the back. So we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of all comfort the God who, of all encouragement. And we thank you that you bring comfort in our sufferings. You come alongside us. You're the, the one who leads us in an amazing way. And also you're the God who did suffer more than we can ever imagine. So when you pass on comfort to us, it's not just uh, nice words, but it's from someone who in the person of Jesus, your son, suffered on the cross. And so therefore we thank you that the encouraging one is the one who died for us. Thank you that we can encourage each other. Thank you leaders have a particular responsibility to encourage the congregation, whether we're part of a, uh, uh, an eldership or whether we're part of a team leadership group within the life of the church. Help us to be encouragers in the team members that we are given. But Lord, thank you that we can encourage each other. That It's a mutual thing that we can encourage leaders and we can encourage each other, and look out for each other. Help us to do that, Lord. And Father, we pray, help us to be creative in the way we do that and also help us look out for those at the back and not let them get left out. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.